I've heard everything from women from you're too young for this. You look great. Don't worry about it. Like so many different dismissive comments and women are just really seeking help. They just don't want to suffer and they want answers. And a lot of them never even learned about menopause from their, from their moms, sisters, or anyone. They're kind of doing the Google thing and trying to figure it out. That was Lorraine Miano, a health coach who focuses on providing menopause advocacy, support, and resources to women in all phases of menopause. In this episode, we're pulling back the curtains on menopause, level-setting definitions, reality-checking common perceptions about menopause, and talking strategies for making this phase of our lives not only easier for ourselves, but magical even. You're listening to Second Breaks, a show about life in the middle. My name's Lou Blazer. I'm a former management consultant and IT leader turned writer and podcaster, and of course, your host. And there's one thing you should know about me right away. I am not an expert on midlife. I'm on this journey just like you. So together with my guests, we're going to explore what it actually takes to navigate midlife, thrive in it, and turn it into the best phase of our lives. This podcast is brought to you by Midlife Cues, a digital publication for the over 40 about getting stronger, wiser, and bolder in our midlife. Check it out and subscribe for free at midlifecues.com. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Second Breaks. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that, honestly, I wouldn't have thought about covering on this podcast, like, say, two years ago. As a midlife woman, menopause is obviously a topic that I'm very interested in. I spend an enormous amount of time Googling about it, researching it. But other than anecdotal conversations about hot flashes, um, I haven't really been engaging in real conversations about this phase of my life, something that, you know, every woman past 40 goes through. Now, part of my, you know, past hesitancy in talking about menopause was coming from this idea that this is a private matter. Like this is not something we talk about out loud. This is a private experience, right? And also this topic fell squarely within my previous ideas or concerns or internal narrative about uh, aging, my my unaddressed fear about aging. Now, in the last couple of years, I've been working this, I've been adjusting my attitude and perceptions about aging, and I have been noticing frank conversations around this topic out there in public forums. And one of the people whose messages on social media I really appreciate is my guest today, Lorraine Miano. Lorraine is a certified health coach and a hormone health expert. She offers menopause advocacy, support, and resources to women in all phases of menopause through health coaching, proper nutrition, and preventive lifestyle choices. In this episode, Lorraine and I talk about strategies for making the peri and post-menopause years easier on ourselves and our bodies, 
Lorraine also corrected some of the common misperceptions about menopause and shared a ton of resources to help us tackle the challenging aspects of menopause because, you know, there are challenging aspects. And so we talked about that quite a bit as well. Now, as always, I would love, love, love to hear from you as you're listening to this podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Lou Blazer or you can even email me, Lou at secondbreaks.com. Surprisingly, many women are not even aware of what perimenopause is. And actually, the phrase perimenopause didn't come about until the early 90s. So prior to that, there was not even this um, description of those years before menopause. So perimenopause are the years right before you reach menopause. Menopause is actually just one day. It is the 12-month anniversary of when your menses cease. And then the very next day, you're postmenopausal and you will be for the rest of your life. So those years leading up to men, uh, menopause are the perimenopausal years, and they can start anywhere from your late 30s, which is considered premature, through your 50s. So the average age to, to start perimenopause is about 46. So what happens then uh, is that the ovaries are shutting down. So hormones are fluctuating and different things begin happening. One of the most common is irregular periods. So you may skip a month, you may have several in one month, all kinds of different things happen when hormones start fluctuating. So along with that, one of the first symptoms can be anxiety. And women don't even realize that this is a symptom of perimenopause. They've never experienced it before. And all of a sudden, they're having all this anxiety. And that again, and that is also because hormones are fluctuating, cortisol levels may be elevated, and different things happening through midlife. So some of the other symptoms are insomnia, weight gain, fatigue, low libido, dry vagina, and um, hot flashes. That's the wait, big wait, one. Wait, wait, wait. In perimenopause? Mm-hmm. All of these things can start happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Do you know, okay, so one thing. I have a girlfriend who's like 41 or 42, and she told me just recently that she thinks that she's experiencing perimenopause. I'm like, what are you talking about? I thought perimenopause was just like, like immediately before the menopause. So I didn't realize that it could, you know. It, it can last anywhere from 2 to 15 years for some women. And a lot of it depends on not only genetics, but a lot of it depends on lifestyle choices you've made up until that time. If you're not exercising, if you're eating a lot of processed foods, if you have high stress levels, those can all contribute to severe and often debilitating symptoms during those years. Right. So you said that the average age is around mid 40s, you yeah. said, but it could start mm-hmm. earlier mm-hmm. and it and could so, also start be, later. Later, right? yeah, yeah it could yeah. actually start later. Gotcha. And for some women, they may experience nothing more than irregular periods, maybe a hot flash or two. For, for some women, though, it could be quite debilitating where they seek maybe hormone replacement therapy. Or in my case, um, I've used a holistic way as a holistic health coach. I guide women holistically who may not be able to do hormone replacement. Got it. I would have never associated like anxiety, for example, or even weight gain as already symptoms of this yeah. stage of what's going on, right? Because normally, right. you know, we we say we we're anxious or we we associate it with depression or something else, and we never actually associate it with the hormonal changes that are happening inside our bodies. It's incredible. Yeah, and unfortunately, um, many 
doctors are not educated in menopause. Yes. So right off the bat, a woman comes in and she's feeling anxious and depressed and she's given an anti-anxiety drug rather than getting to the root of what's really going on, which is often a hormone imbalance. Yes. I, I do remember, I think I read it in your, either on your website, on your in Instagram, where you talked about how our doctors are often like um, ignoring what we're saying around, you know, or, or con- like not condescending, but you know, like mm-hmm. humor. Dismissing it. Yeah, yeah dismissing, dismissing us. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's, I, I sometimes think it's not quite their fault. In medical school, I think the statistic was they get maybe three hours of education on menopause. And in women's health in general, I'm not sure that they're really being educated well. Things are changing. There are physicians who are stepping up to the plate. Um, and actually, the, Na- the North American Menopause Society, um, it's menopause.org, they actually um, have a course that physicians can take and get a certification as a specialist in menopause. So I would suggest women search that site, menopause.org, to look for a physician that could help them um, with menopause. Yeah, I've, I've heard everything from women from you're too young for this. Um, you look great. Don't worry about it. Um, like so many different dismissive comments and women are just really seeking help. They just don't want to suffer and they want answers. And a lot of them never even learned about menopause from their, from their moms, sisters or anyone. They're kind of doing the Google thing and trying to figure it out. And thankfully, there are more and more celebrities stepping up to the plate to talk about it. It's mm-hmm. becoming more commonplace. I see since I started, there were very few um, menopause coaches when I first started about seven years ago. And now I'm so pleased to see that there are so many people on Instagram, menopause health coaches, functional medicine doctors, different people who are really stepping up to the plate to help women during these years. You know, I distinctly remember having conversations when I was growing up about puberty, about what was happening to my body, and how I was supposed to be taking care of my body now that I'm quote-unquote a young adult. I had these conversations in school with my mom, but you know, other than brief comments about hot flashes, I don't remember having a similar thoughtful conversation around menopause. What I know about menopause, I learned through Google. Lorraine suggests something she calls a second talk with our daughters. I actually just wrote a blog post about that, about having, I call it the second talk with our daughters, because quite frequently women are going through their perimenopause years at about the same time that their daughters may be going through puberty. So that is the perfect time to have that discussion, Mm -hmm. because if if young ladies actually pay attention to their bodies and their health from an early age Mm -hmm. and do all the good things for their lifestyle and their hormones, they may not even experience any of these symptoms or very few symptoms when they reach their menopause years, rather than wait until we're actually upon those years and then have to say, okay, what do I do now? Actually taking those steps from an early age. So while they're talking about puberty, they can just take it one step further and actually add, okay, this is what's, this is what happens later in life. It's another natural process of life. And this is what will happen. It's almost like a reverse puberty, right? uh, perimenopause. So that's the perfect opportunity to, and they should be talking about it in schools, in the health classes, not just with young girls, but with young men also, because whether it's a wife, a boss, a teacher, a sister, 
they will be in contact with women going through perimenopause and for them to be educated and understand it as well would be like the icing on the cake. Yes, exactly. And yeah. I also, I, I like that having a conversation around it with our daughters or just outright having a conversation around this stage in our lives because I feel like, and I don't know what you think about this, but, but, but I feel like the more we don't talk about it, the more there's the stigma around getting mm-hmm. old and, and we don't talk about these things because there's something, the underlying sentiment oh, yeah. is that there's something wrong with it or, or something wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. No, Western culture does a good job of putting that perception out there. Mm -hmm. And if you Google menopause, what do you see? A woman fanning herself (laughs) or pulling her hair out or what, right? All these horrible images of women during those years when I feel these can absolutely be the best years of our life. Totally, exactly. Can we look to our mothers as a sign as to like, what we may go through or when we, is this hereditary, like our cycles? There are some... Uh, aspects of genetics that play that play a part in it yeah Yeah. but um for the most part i would say it's especially nowadays because we eat so many processed foods and have elevated stress levels and toxins and so much that's bombarding us on a daily basis i really feel that that plays a bigger role in how we will experience symptoms Maybe when you start perimenopause might have something to do when your mom did. But then again, I hear from women all the time that theirs was totally different than their mom's. So yeah, I feel lifestyle plays a bigger part. There are these things that I really wanted to bounce off you because I, like you said, you Google these things or you hear just like the publicly acceptable sort of connotations of what right. happens. And I have a handful that I wanted to just bounce off you just to see like, what's the truth about these things. So one of them has to do with our metabolism plummets and therefore weight gain is inevitable. What's the truth behind this? Okay, (laughs) so it is not inevitable. So, I mean, there are hormonal changes that happen through menopause that make, make it more likely that you might gain weight, but they don't necessarily it's not necessarily because of menopause. I mean, as we age, we lose muscle mass. Mm -hmm. And if you're not exercising and rebuilding that muscle, then your metabolism will slow down. I mean, really having, having strong muscles and building up that muscle mass will increase your metabolism. So it's not necessarily menopause, but I think it's lifestyle that happens during these years. Ah, I see. Yes, yes. Okay. It's, it's it's that it's happening at the same time. So we yeah. we say it's about this, but they're really But there can be contributing things too, because I also um you know we always think when we think hormones, we think our sex hormones, but cortisol is such an important hormone. And when that is elevated, that can also decrease metabolism because it 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 really puts all of our hormones out of balance. So if we can really pay attention to reducing stress during these years, we might have a better chance of also keeping the weight off. Yes. But so impo- movement is so important mm-hmm. uh, important, and reducing all of the processed junk that we eat um, and eating a whole food diet and really paying attention to what we're putting in our bodies. 
That cortisol thing, I've only recently, as in like literally only the last couple, two, three years that I've started to really pay attention and understand what the heck is it's doing to me inside mm-hmm. my body. I, I don't know if it's um because there wasn't a lot of literature about that when we were younger, yeah. but now I'm like, thank God I'm, I'm understanding this because, oh my yeah. goodness, yes. And there's so many things we can do to reduce it. So saying no is a big one. <laughs> to things that don't serve us well and um, doing meditation and deep breathing exercises, Epsom salt baths, having a self-care routine, putting, putting us on our calendar and not breaking the date. Yes. Oh my goodness. I love those things. So the other thing, a second thing I wanted to bounce off you, but I don't know, again, it's people say this in, you know, association with menopause Mm -hmm. is is the decrease in bone density? Well, all I think I think it's at age thirty where we stop produce uh, where we stop 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 gaining the bone density. So after thirty, you tend to like lose bone density. Every everyone. Yes. So if you're not doing the things to protect it, like exercise, weight bearing exercise, eating healthy, getting your vitamin D with mm-hmm. K two and calcium rich foods and all that kind of thing, then you have are at a higher risk menopausal women are at a higher risk because estrogen does protect against bone loss. So when estrogen decreases, it can lead to osteoporosis. However, if you do all those other things, then you can prevent the bone loss. So by doing, and a a great exercise is rebounding on a trampoline. So, and NASA actually studied that for astronauts who have come back from space because they lost bone density in space and they put them on the rebounders. They did they did all this research and it showed that they actually gained bone mass. So I would suggest as long as you don't have severe pelvic floor issues, because bouncing on a trampoline could affect that, that that would be a great exercise. It's fun. You can listen to podcasts while you're doing it. And it's a good way to increase bone density as well. Make sure you're taking high doses of uh, vitamin D3, 5,000 is usually good. Mm-hmm. And be sure to take it with K2, which helps you to uh, retain calcium in your bones. A lot of cardiologists are saying not to take a calcium supplement, that it could lead to blood clots and calcification in your um, veins and arteries. So I would suggest just eating calcium rich foods like mm-hmm leafy greens and mm-hmm. sardines, um, maybe unsweetened yogurts and things like that. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. So this one, painful sex mm-hmm. or, and I don't know if it's like, it's because of the painful sex that we no longer want, you, you know, we have lowered sex drive mm-hmm. or, or the other way around. So yeah. what's the truth behind this thing? Okay. There's a couple of things. So you're right. Oftentimes, because when estrogen levels drop, we get um, vaginal dryness, vaginal atrophy, thinning of the vaginal walls. Mm -hmm. However, also our testosterone levels could drop, which could lead to lower libido as well. So there are testosterone creams that a gynecologist might be able to guide women with. There are Mm -hmm. testosterone boosting foods, um, such as pasture, organic pasture raised eggs, almonds, pumpkin seeds, leafy green veggies, uh, black kidney and pinto beans. So these are testosterone boosting foods. But also back to the um, the painful part of it, that can lead to, yeah, like you said, it's like a psychological thing. You know, if you know it's going to be painful, you're not going to want to have sex. Right. And our brain is our largest sex organ. So we really have to pay attention to caring for our vaginal area. 
other than lubricants. So of course, lubricants during sex is very helpful for women, but women should be moisturizing their vagina on a daily basis. The same as you would do your face, your legs, your body with a different product. There Mm -hmm. are products specifically for that area and you want things that are non-toxic. And so I love to curate all of these things for women. And I have a menopause market on my um, website where things I've personally used or that I know are really good. I have a, I have a symptoms tab that you can use and kind of go for and look what, uh, for what you're interested in. But I highly recommend using a good product for a lot of women, just something as simple as um, virgin coconut oil could Mm -hmm. be beneficial for moisturizing and for a lubricant. Just always be careful. Don't use it with condoms because it could break down the um, efficacy of the condom. Okay. That is for sure not something I had a conversation with my mom or my right. sister. And, like moisturizing our vaginal area was not, it's not something I've ever, ever yeah. discussed with with my family. <laughs> and I, and the more we talk about it, the more it will become comfortable and right. people can talk. I mean, my kids see what I'm posting all the time, yeah. right? So now they're all in their thirties, but now they're like, okay, that's mom, you know, but, but it's, it's become more acceptable to them. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. Because the other side of it too, is that I've heard this from um, women in our generation and also older generation that you know, we just have to accept the fact that sex is just going to be painful from here on. No. And actually, actually, if you're using lubrication, it, it could be pretty comfortable. And the more sex you have, the less pain you'll have. It'll actually increase the moisture. Yes. So it's it's kind of like a use it or lose it. <laughs> exactly. Kind of exactly. So yeah. So And it could also lead to higher testosterone levels. So the more you have sex, it could actually boost your t- testosterone as well. Ah, you definitely use it or lose it then. Right. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, the last thing I wanted to bounce off you is this thing about insomnia. And again, the the connection that I hear is that, well, I have hot flashes at night, so I can't sleep. And so therefore I have insomnia or are those two different things? No, I mean, women do wake up because of hot flashes. However, okay, so uh, progesterone is our calming and soothing hormone. And obviously now that's being depleted during the perimenopause years. So then we may experience sleep issues because of that. Mm -hmm. However, as a health coach, I've discovered that more sleep issues come from caffeine use and alcohol (laughs) use in the evenings. (laughs) (laughs) And both of those things can also contribute to hot flashes. So so if women would reduce caffeine throughout the day or even eliminate it altogether, if you like coffee, for me, I love the taste of coffee. Um, But for a lot of women, just doing a decaf coffee instead of... um, the organic, use an organic decaf or herbal teas. And there are uh, lots of herbal teas that can help with sleep. Maybe avoid alcohol in the evenings only because what happens is women do will drink alcohol to relax and possibly get to sleep. But what happens is they often get into too deep a sleep too quickly and they bypass the REM um, part of sleep, which is your restorative sleep. And then what happens is they will wake up like 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and then can't get back to sleep. And then the mind starts going and anxiety sets in and different things like that. So there are things that women can do before bedtime, such as gratitude journaling, meditation, deep breathing, maybe having a self-care routine, doing that Epsom salt bath, staying away from the computer in blue light, read a nice book. All of those things can contribute to having a really good sleep. And if those don't work, you can try like a low dose melatonin, mm-hmm. which could could also help. So it's it's like 
preparing our bodies for like, okay, it's, it's, we're going to go to sleep in a few mm-hmm. minutes or in 30 minutes or whatever. And I often hear people are like our, you know, friends say, well, I never used to have to do these things. I used to always have to, you know, be able to sleep forever or, you know, but I guess that's just part of life are well, our things your bodies change right and so yeah and i i suggest people use a uh, women use a um a food journal and maybe write down the things that you're eating during the day and how you feel after what you eat notice if there's any correlation between what you ate one evening and your sleep that evening because it's not inevitable we don't have to accept it and a lot of it is because during these years we could be in the sandwich generation right where you're still caring Mm -hmm. for children who may still be living with you you have um senior parents Mm -hmm. and you may be caring for them i think there's just a lot on women's plates during these years maybe more stress than they've had in years prior even when you were raising maybe young children i think the stress levels are different you may have a career Uh, maybe relationships are struggling. Mm -hmm. You have all these people you're caring for. And I just think stress levels stay consistently elevated and that messes with all the rest of our hormones. Gotcha. Gotcha. A while back, Lorraine posted a question on her Instagram account asking women to say something positive about menopause. And I was scrolling through Instagram and I was going through all the comments and many of the responses pointed to, you know, the common challenges around menopause. Many women do not see the positive in this phase of our life. We only see the inconveniences and the negative sides to it. Lorraine wrote the book, The Magic of Menopause, a holistic guide to get your happy back. As the title implies, the book frames this phase of our life in a positive light. In it, Lorraine walks us through what it takes to make lifestyle changes that will set us up to live the rest of our life healthy and happy. I asked Lorraine to share some of those strategies that we can quickly adopt and apply. Well, first, the first one, and this is so important, is change your perception. Like we discussed before, Western culture does a great job of conditioning us to think this is going to be awful. And you know how they always say, if you think something's going to be awful, it will be. If you think it'll be great, it will be. So you really first have to change your perception and being positive about menopause, looking looking at it as a new beginning rather than an ending, because there's so many positive things about this part of our life. I'm 63 years old. I'm living my best life right now. And I always look forward to what like the next day can bring. So first, first off, change your perception. And then the second thing is, and we've talked about this is reduce stress and learn to say no. Use those techniques such as meditation and deep breathing, journaling, um, being mindful and using self care and putting you on your calendar. Okay. So important. Just really pay attention to your health. And I say the third thing is to eliminate all of the crap from your life. And all of the crap is not, is processed foods and sugars, toxins that we ingest, like over the counter meds that you might not necessarily need on a daily basis, alcohol, caffeine, or things that you put on your body. There are a lot of skin things and beauty care items that are so full of toxins that actually lead to hormone imbalances. Oh, wait, wait, did you say even skin products? Mm -hmm. So our skin is our largest organ and everything we put on our skin will be absorbed. So there are a lot of beauty products that contain uh, phthalates, parabens, all of these things, which 
can act as xenoestrogen. So they attach to our estrogen. You can actually experience estrogen dominance by just using products that aren't healthy for you. And there's a great website. I always share this. It's um, the Environmental Working Group, ewg.org. And they have an app called Skin Deep. You can put your products in there and check and see the toxicity, the allergens and all of that. And if they don't have your specific product, you know, because you can put the brand and all of that, then you can take the ingredients on the back of your product and insert each one of them individually to see if they're a safe um, chemical or, you know, an organic substance that's okay to use. Got it. Got it. Now, earlier you mentioned that you have a, a, a page on your website with some products do you have suggestions or recommendations for these as well? Or yes. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I have, I have categories from skincare to supplements, to cooling things you can use if you're having hot flashes to wellness, to water filters, because again, if you're showering in chemical filled water, then that's being absorbed into your body. So I highly recommend everyone get, if not, if not just the, um, the shower head and like drinking water, I would say do the whole house if you're able to, because gotcha. you're protecting everyone in the household if you do that. You know, there's all kinds of advice out there and quote unquote common knowledge about menopause. So I asked Lorraine, you know, if there's only one uh, bad advice that she could set the record straight on, the one that she would really want to correct, what would it be? There's a controversial discussion, okay? So I would say the bad advice is that hormone replacement therapy is the only way to eliminate symptoms, or conversely, that you should only go the holistic route. Okay, for some women with debilitating symptoms, HRT could be a lifesaver. And then for other women who have a history of female cancers or possibly um, female relatives with history, then they may want to go the holistic route. So I always hear there's, there's these two camps and some of them are just like, no, you got to do this. You have to do this. No, there could be a good combination of both. Mm. And at the very least, even if a woman is doing hormone replacement therapy, taking those holistic methods as well and really incorporating them into her life as far as exercise and eating whole foods and eliminating all the toxins along with doing the hormone replacement therapy could be nothing but more beneficial. Do you find that people that women uh, start taking HRT or the more holistic methods even during perimenopause or even before or should we wait until we're already menopausal like what is the best time to I think a lot of women are do go on hormone replacement during perimenopause because that's when they're struggling with hormones fluctuating usually when you're postmenopausal I I forget what the exact number is where they suggest you don't do HRT past 10 years of reaching menopause. So I mean, I think there's a cutoff and I'm not sure exactly what that is being that I, I, I do mostly the holistic route, but um, women should really, and if, if a woman has cardiovascular disease pr- during those years, then she should not do, according to um, research, should not do hormone replacement. It could protect women from cardiovascular disease in the future, but if you've already have it, it could be detrimental. 
So, uh, so really investigate, really do your research on the hormone therapy that you're doing. Look into bioidentical hormones, which are where they compound them specifically for what your levels are okay. instead of using synthetic hormones that might be beneficial. But then again, I want women to know that they, if they choose to, to go the holistic route, there are so many supplements that could help adaptogen herbs, which help with cortisol levels like ashwagandha and maca root. And there's one that I have on my website that I love. And so many women have gotten so such great success with. So don't feel that because you're not doing HRT that you will have to suffer. Yes, yes. We've been talking peripherally about the work that you do. We've talked about the books that you've mm -hmm. written. But outside of that, like, what, what do you do? Okay, so I did at one time do individual uh, coaching, which I have not have not done in quite a while. I might get back to that in the future, but I've just been so busy. So I write blogs. I provide a lot of content. I have online programs where you can actually sign up, download a program, and then I have a a support group, a private support group in Facebook to support that. And I do like my health coaching in there, but in, in a group style. And I find that women really benefit from hearing from other women more than doing the one-on-one -on -one kind of coaching because yes. they, they know that other people are experiencing what they are. They're not alone and they get the support from other women. So I, I prefer to do that. So I have online programs like that. I have the menopause um, market. So I curate products for women to use. I write about those. I share them in my, I, I do have another support group for anyone can join it. And it's called making menopause magical support group. And um, so on my website, themagicofmenopause.com, I have a symptoms tab where you can click on a symptom and then I'll provide resources, either their blog posts or products or research or different things that you can click on to find out more information about each of those. And then of course my blog is there and I try to do that monthly and I write for, and I write for several other um, websites. So, and I'll share them there usually. Excellent, excellent. In social media, I found you on Instagram. Is that the place for the yeah. best place to find you? So it's at the magic of menopause mm -hmm. and then Facebook is making menopause magical. The mantra of second breaks is celebrate midlife. And this is a phrase that I really like to explore with my guests. And so if I offer that phrase to you, celebrate midlife, uh, what comes to mind? Me. <laughs> I am celebrating midlife. Me and all of the ladies who I support and provide resources for, because honestly, this is what this time of life is for. It's celebration. And really like we talked about saying no, to things in the past, well, this is also a time to say yes to the things that you might not have said yes to before, right? The things that you really want to enjoy, maybe traveling or um, singing or dancing or writing or doing all those things that you put off for so many years because we're raising our children and we're doing all these, you know, having a career and doing all these other things. So say yes to the things that you've put off to the side. So midlife is a time to celebrate and really experience all those new things. I have severe FOMO, fear of missing out. So I am so good at saying yes to things. I'm like, you want to travel here? Yes, I'm there. You want to go? So <laughs> I love it. I love it. At 20, I was searching for my life's meaning, for what career I wanted, where I wanted to live, and how I wanted to raise my family. And today, I'm feeling fulfilled. I have led and continue to lead a good life with a wonderful husband, kids, and six grandbabies so far, who are the joys of my life. 
And now I found a new passion and purpose to guide other women on their menopausal journeys as well. You know, I really appreciated what Lorraine said about changing our perception being the first step to this thing. We have been conditioned to think of menopause as a negative thing. The milestone that signals the decline or the end even of everything happy and desirable about our womanhood. I believe this kind of thinking and the resulting attitude only hurts us in the long run. Menopause is a natural part of the cycle of our female life. And if you think about it, we spend as many years, if not more, post-menopausal than in our childbearing years. So why would we choose to think of these years as unhappy and unappealing? I don't know about you, but I'm going to be enjoying and embracing the magic of menopause. To get going, I encourage you to pick up and read Lorraine's book, The Magic of Menopause, and also learn more about Lorraine and her work. You want to visit her website, Magic of Menopause. There's tons of resources, information there. Uh, And as always, you're going to find all the links. And we mentioned a ton of resources in this episode. You're going to find all the links and the highlights of this episode on the show notes at secondbreaks.com. Now, if you enjoyed this episode or like listening to the podcast, please, please share it with your friends. Tell them about what you learned about menopause. Tell them about Lorraine, about all the resources that you can find on her website, or just tell them about the podcast because, my friend, you spreading the word about the podcast helps so much in spreading the word about the show and also, most importantly, in growing the community of thriving midlifers because that's what we want, right? We want thriving midlifers, and I would be so grateful if you would help me spread the word. In our next episode, I'll be joined by Dr. Mickey Barber, a physician and sought-after lecturer on age management and hormone replacement. Dr. Barber and I talked about the idea of successful aging and why she believes that a critical component of this is a shared responsibility of the patient-doctor team. Dr. Barber also shared the three most important things that midlife women should really focus on so that we can age better. It is the perfect follow-up to today's episode, so you don't want to miss that episode. Now is a good time to hit subscribe or follow on whatever app it is that you're using right now to listen to this episode, or if you happen to be on the website right now listening to this episode, right around the audio player, you're going to find some options for podcast apps as well. Okie dokie, I'll be back in a couple of weeks with Dr. Mickey Barber. Until then, stay safe, stay sane. And keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans.